Well, this Sunday is the last Sunday of the year that wouldn't end. It is, it has been a really long year. It's been a difficult year. As people have been isolated and distanced from one another, and there have been a variety of challenges. Some of the challenges uh, interpersonally, some of the challenges within our hearts and in our minds, struggles that we've been dealing with, some of the challenges economic or uh, physical or health or uh, other things that are outside of us but impact us. And it's been a long time coming to this point where we get to finally say goodbye to 2020. And I was talking with some people this week, and uh, Pastor Scott was, was talking with the staff, and he was asking, um, so what do you think uh, you have been thankful for in 2020, and what do you think uh, you're thankful that 2020 is over for? What, what are some of the reasons? And I, I said, well, I have some reasons that I can think of that I'm thankful for 2020, some things that have happened that were positive. I can't think of anything that I am thankful that 2020 is over for because that implies that all of the things that I had been dealing with in 2020 are now over. And they aren't. It's not as though we get to reach the end of the year and go, whew, that was an awful year, but now we get to start over and whew, we'll just erase everything and begin afresh. We don't just get to file bankruptcy and go, whoo, start over, though we wish we could. And, and this morning, we're reading this text as we're reaching the end of James. We have two more Sundays in the, week of, in the book of James. And um, he's talking with us about how to suffer well. Here's what he says in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. He has spent quite a bit of his book uh, talking about these themes. And I feel like we've, we've touched on these before, but now he's really driving it home as he reaches the end of his letter. He really wants us to uh, understand that we are to be patient, right? That's where he starts. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Have you ever heard somebody say, don't ask for patience? Don't ask the Lord for patience because he will give you circumstances under which you will need it. I am of the opinion that we are all under circumstances in which we need patience. 
we may as well ask the Lord for them for it because we are going to be enduring them either way. Whether or not you had patience when you began 2020, you needed patience to survive 2020. We need that kind of uh, perspective that we're going to take it slowly and we're just going to endure. We're going to be patient. We're going to wait. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. There is a hope out there, right? We just celebrated the coming of Jesus into the world. That was Christmas. We just celebrated that. Do you know how long people had to wait for Jesus to come? The promises that were made all the way back in the Garden of Eden? That one day one would come who would crush the head of the serpent? And they waited. And then they waited for the promise that was given to, to Abraham. One of your seed, through your offspring, all nations would be blessed. And then they waited for the one who would come who was like Moses. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and Jesus came. And now, we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those prophecies, and he promised, I have come once, I will come again. I'm going to prepare a place for you, a place in heaven with my Father for you. I've gone there. And then he's going to come back. We're waiting for that return of the Lord. When all of the suffering will be made right, when all of the darkness will disappear, when it will all be over because Jesus will finally make all things right, now he has made a way for us to uh, come into relationship with God, then he will come and he will make all things right. He will do away with sin and death. And it will all be over. And if you're like me, you find yourself slogging through a year like this one has been, and you just go, how come not yet, Lord? How come not yet? There's so much pain. There's so much frustration. There's so much anger. How come not yet? Why won't you come and do it now? Be patient, therefore, brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. When you're growing things, you have to have patience. You plant the plants, and then you wait for them to grow, And the, the rain has to come and it has to water it. The sun has to come and, and give it uh, nutrients and energy. And it has to grow and flower. And then, and then you get the, the bud of the fruit and then it begins to grow and you have to wait for it to ripen before you eat it. You have to wait that whole time anticipating, seeing it getting closer and closer, but it's not yet. On the, on the really um, immediate ones, the ones that, that give you produce, produce the fastest, you only have to wait one season. 
When we moved into our house, uh, we had some trees that were there that we didn't really like. They were, um, I, I don't even know what they were. Maple, just a generic tree. And we want, you know what we want? We want fruit. We want a yard that produces something. And so we cut down those trees and dug out uh, the roots, and we, we put in fruit trees. We put in cherry trees. We put in plum trees. We put in an apple tree and a pear tree. And I remember meeting our neighbors for the first time, the ones that we share a back fence with. And I talked with them, and they said, yeah, when we saw you putting in those fruit trees, and we saw you putting in the arbor for the grapes, they said, we knew you were planning to be here for a long time. We knew you were planning to be here for a long time. We've lived here for a long time. We've lived here for 30 years. And we've seen a lot of people come and go, but we knew when you moved in and you started planting fruit, you were planning to be here for a long time. That's what the farmers need. They need that kind of patience where you're preparing, but you're waiting because you know it's going to take time. Be, be patient, he says, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he, it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I, lo I love that. Establish your hearts. Firm them up. Anchor them. Steady them. Build it up so that it's stable and firm. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. It seems like it's taking forever for Jesus to come again. But it's so close. It's so close. The plants have flowered. They're beginning to bear. We haven't seen the full harvest come in. We don't know how much harvest there will be in total, but we're beginning to see the harvest come in, and the, the Lord is going to return, and it will be soon. This is the interesting thing that at this time period in the history of the earth where we find ourselves right now is this place where it just feels like this endless waiting and also this imminence. Jesus is going to return, and he could return at any moment. I may not get to finish this sermon before Jesus returns. And it's not because I'm going to preach that long. But because his return is imminent, wouldn't that be awesome? If we could be here in this place, reading his word together, anticipating his coming, praising him, and then boom, Jesus comes. What a great way to go out. That would be a fantastic way to end this life. Anticipating his return. You also be, be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We have to live our lives with an expectation that it's right around the corner. It's about to happen. And we're preparing for that. 
My sister lives in eastern Washington and does some farming. She, she, they do garbanzo beans and wheat and other things. And there are times of the year where she can't do things with us. We say, oh, hey, we want to get together in, in August. And she goes, well, depending on the year, that might work for me. But I have to be ready. Because when it's ready to be harvested, it will happen in this window Sometime over these six or eight weeks, the harvest will happen, but I can't be exactly sure which weekend or which days it will happen on, and when it happens, I have to do it right now. Well, can't we plan? No. No, I have to be ready. That's what he's saying. Establish your hearts because the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's going to happen at any time. We have to be ready right now. For the coming of Jesus. And so then he begins to uh, explain a little bit more, give us some illustration and example of what does it mean to be patient and also be ready at the same time. We're being patient, we're waiting patiently for that coming because it isn't just yet, but we're also ready because it is real right now. Not quite yet and also right now. That's the tension that we find ourselves in. And so how do we be ready? Verse 9, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He's standing at the door. You know when you've got family members coming over and kids are going, when are they coming? When are they coming? When are they coming? Any time now. You can watch out the window. They're coming at any time. And you look out the window. Oh, they're walking up the walk. They're at the door. They're right here. That's where Jesus is. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He hasn't come in yet, but he's standing at the door. But who's standing at the door? The judge is standing at the door. Can I, I make a confession to you? We're doing Zoom school right now. There are times, my kids can attest to this, there are times that something happens in my house and I say, is anybody live on a Zoom call right now? What I mean is, are we all muted or is the whole world out there here going to hear what I'm about to say? While I would like to say that that doesn't influence the tone in my voice on my next sentence, it does. The way that I say my next sentence is impacted by whether or not I think there are Zoom calls where people are listening in. When Jesus is standing at the door and about to come in, he can hear right through that door. He's not here yet. He's not in the building yet, but he's right outside the door. What is he hearing as he's about to knock? What is he hearing as he's about to open the door and walk in? Is he hearing us grumble against one another? Complaining? Arguing? I was talking with Pastor Eric about this this week. He's preaching in Westland, and he was saying, I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about being in my living room 
talking about one of the members in my life group and having Jesus walk through the door? How would I want to be talking about the people in my life group? How would I want to be talking about the people in my family? How would I want to be talking about people if Jesus was walking through the door right as I said that? Don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As you are thinking this way, remembering that we're just coming off of the instructions last week to those who are rich and how they ought to uh, treat those who were poor. And I I said um, that we would be talking about what do we do when people are offending us or when it's happening to us. But for that two weeks ago when we were talking about it, it uh, it was instead we don't want to be doing that to people. Now, okay, what if it's happening to us? What if people are wronging us? What if people are taking advantage of us? What if people are doing something that irritates or annoys us? Then what? It's this. We wait patiently. And we don't grumble or complain. but with compassion and patience and mercy, we endure. Who influences you? Who influences you on how you respond to being mistreated? Who influences you? Is it the news articles that you're reading? The pundits that you're listening to? The example of your parents? Who influences you on how you suffer and how you uh, endure mistreatment? Who influences you? Here's who James says we should take as an example. Verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. James, please pick someone else. Please. Anybody else? The prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord? Jeremiah? Ezekiel? Daniel? Hosea? Pick one. Are there any of the prophets that you go, I'd love to live their life. I'd love to have the experiences that they had. Not me. I can't, I can't think of a prophet that I, I would really like their life. Moses had a pretty awesome life. And he endured a ton. Lots of complaining and grumbling the patience and the humility that would have been required 
to do the kind of leading and prophesying that Moses did. It's amazing. You see, I'd like to have the character of the prophets. I would like to consider them as my examples for patience and endurance in the midst of suffering. I just don't want to go through the same things that they went through. Don't sign me up for that. Because as soon as I start getting mistreated in the way that the prophets got mistreated, I'm going to start complaining. That's not fair. They're not doing that to anybody else. You're just treating me this way because I'm talking about who the Lord is. We should have the expectation that that's going to happen. And bear patiently. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He goes on, though, he, he does give us other examples, not just the prophets. Behold, he says in, in James 5, 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. Thanks, James. Again, really appreciate that. You remember Job, right? You've heard of him before? The guy who lost everything? All of his possessions, all of his family, all of his health, his friends, his reputation, whoosh, gone. So that he's wallowing in the mud, scratching himself with pottery because of all of the boils on his skin. And his wife is telling him, you may as well just curse God and die because look at how he has abandoned you. And Job says, I'm going to cling to my integrity. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Admittedly, that's not the first thing I think of when I hear about the way that the prophets were treated and I hear about the experiences of Job. I don't think about how the prophets were treated and go, wow, isn't the Lord compassionate and merciful? I don't think about the experiences of Job and go, wow, isn't the Lord compassionate and merciful? But James ties these two things together. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Who are we to say that we deserve better than we have received? 
even in the midst of our suffering. Even in the midst of times of real difficulty, who are we to say that we deserve better than we are receiving? And when you consider the treatment of the prophets, you recognize that it was the compassion and the mercy of the Lord that caused them to endure that kind of suffering. It was the compassion and mercy of the Lord to the people to whom the message was being proclaimed. The Lord was strengthening and firming up those prophets so that they could proclaim the message and endure those hardships so that the people could hear the life-giving words of the Lord. It's because the Lord was compassionate and merciful. It is because the Lord is compassionate and merciful that Jesus came, endured the life that he did on earth, and died on the cross. It's because the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, which Ben read at the beginning of the service, reads like this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so when we are enduring a difficult year, or a difficult month, or a difficult week, or maybe a difficult decade, when we are enduring that, and we turn and we go, Lord, why not yet? Why aren't you returning yet? Why are you taking so long? How long, O oh Lord, must we wait before you return? We're reminded that the Lord is not slow in the way that we think of slowness. But the Lord is patient. He is compassionate and he is merciful. And he is enduring, putting up with all of this sin for the time being so that his message of hope might be proclaimed, so that all might repent and receive him and not be subject to the judgment that is about to come. Because the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will all be exposed. The judge is standing at the door. The judge is standing at the door. And so we have to be patient and we have to be ready. Because the judge is standing at the door. Verse 12, he says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. As we are being ready, as we are being prepared for the coming of the Lord, one of the things that we have to have is integrity. We have to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Not swearing by earth or by heaven, 
And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I, I don't know that people swear by heaven in quite the same way that they used to. We're not swearing by the gods, uh, this is true. But have you heard these phrases in, in speech recently? But honestly, seriously though, trust me, trust me. I swear. No, but really, yeah, to tell you the truth, oh, believe me, believe me. These are all just shorthand, the same kinds of things. They're just shorthand for what in more ancient times they used to say, I swear by the gods. Believe me, believe me. No, trust me. No, honestly, honestly, really this time. While maybe I might not be telling you the truth all the time, this time for sure, seriously. We just want our yes to be yes and our no to be no. When we say yes, we mean yes, and when we say no, we mean no. That doesn't mean we never get it wrong. It just means that we always say what we mean to say. We're not trying to be duplicitous. We're not trying to deceive. We just want to be straight and open and honest, particularly when you're talking about in the context of people uh, withholding money, right? That, that the, the rich would say, oh, I'm going to pay you for this, and then they would withhold that money. That we would make promises but not follow through on them. How many times do we uh, quickly make a promise? Oh yeah, I'll do that. Without thinking about it. Without making the determination that yes, this is going to happen. Or worse, say that we're going to do something when we know we have no intention of doing it. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Oh yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I recognize there are times that we make mistakes. We say that we're going to do something and then we forget and it doesn't happen. But there are other times when we say that we're going to do something and we know it's just going to fall through the cracks. And we're making the promises and we're not intending that we're going to follow through. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. For the judges standing at the door. We want to be people of integrity. That in the way that we interact with one another, we know that we can trust one another because we are each acting in integrity. When we interact with people in the world, we want them to see that we are acting differently because we know the judge is standing at the door. So we're held to a higher standard. We have different expectations than they have. Because we have a different expectation about the reality of a coming judge. We have to be patient. 
And we have to be ready. Because the judge is standing at the door. And the time is not yet, but it is right now. And so let's pray together that the Lord would help us to be ready and he would help us to be patient as we endure whatever it is that comes in the new year. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you would help us. Too often we get discouraged. We get discouraged by our circumstances. We get discouraged by the way that people are treating us. We get discouraged because things aren't working out the way that we would like. Father, would you shift our thinking to the expectation and reality that you are standing at the door and about to arrive. To the hope that we have with eternity with you. Lord, would you fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you help us to endure patiently? Enduring because we know that you are compassionate and merciful. And that you can use these circumstances and these sufferings for your glory. And by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, would you help us to be ready? so that we may not be caught surprised when you walk in through the door. And we ask for this right now while we are very aware of it and mindful of it. We ask for it when we go home this afternoon. We ask for it as we walk in our communities in the coming weeks and months and years until you return again. And we ask for this in order that your name might be glorified in all the earth through the power and work of Jesus within us. And so it is in his name that we pray. Amen.